Hey guys, I can't tell you how pumped I am for this next guest. Kevin Millar, World Series champion with the Boston Red Sox, three-time Father of the Year, co-host of Intentional Talk on the MLB Network with my boy Chris Rose. And Kevin has been one of my closest friends since childhood. We played in Little League together, high school together, college, and we both had big league dreams together. And when mine ended, and his started, he let me live vicariously through him, going to all the games, being at the hotel lobbies for the games, going to dinner, flying back and forth uh, across the country during their playoff run and World Series run. So what an amazing guy. I'm so grateful for that experience. But really, his story is about pure grit, work ethic, mental toughness, because this is a guy that never got drafted five times. He didn't get drafted in high school. He didn't get drafted first year of junior college. Didn't get drafted second year of junior college. Didn't get drafted junior year of uh, playing at Lamar. Only one school that recruited him. Didn't get drafted his senior year after Lamar. Signed an independent contract for no money because they were obligated to sign a college player. Got picked up for 500 bucks by the Marlins. And somehow, some way, kept battling, kept producing, had no odds. I mean, the odds are impossible. Uh, just to give you some context, I just heard a stat that first-round draft picks in Major League Baseball, only 14% of first-round draft picks play in the Major Leagues for two years or more. 86% don't play. Now, this is someone who didn't get drafted in 60 rounds five times. So the odds are impossible, but it's all about hard work, grit, killer instinct, belief in yourself, everything that matters in life to be successful no matter what you do. So he's been a really inspiration to me and to, I know, fans everywhere. If you haven't seen Four Days in October, go see it. It's 30 by 30, one of the ESPN 30 by 30. It's incredible. Sums up, Kevin. But enjoy this conversation. I'm sorry I'm long with the intro. I had to give Kevin his props. What are my boys forever? So anyway, enjoy this as much as I do. And uh, look, nothing's impossible. That's the lesson here. Right, I'm getting going here. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Deal. Today, special guest, one of my lifelong best friends, Kevin Millar, Boston Red Sox World Series champion and father of the year, three-time. What's up, Kev? What's going on, baby? Hey, self-proclaimed father of the year. Let me explain that real quick. Because I saw about four years ago, I'm sitting here on social media, and I, I can't remember who it was, some random dude, and in his little, you know, little profile, it said... Yeah. Back-to-back husband of the year. And I started dying laughing, self-proclaimed. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take it a step further. I went 2016 or 14 to 16. I said three-year, father year, and I went back-to-back husband of the year like 14 and 15. Something happened in the next few years. But that's basically where we got that. It's a a good skit, boys and girls. That's hilarious. You want to just show us the rings really quick so we know that you're legit? So just just let you know that it's really Kevin. Uh, These a buddy of mine got me. These are all the Red Sox World Series rings, replicas, of course. And the best ring on here, in my opinion, would be the 04. Whoops, that was the finger. No big yeah. deal. You got to feel the pain, kids. Yeah. Is, is the, the 014 there? 
I believe this was the, let me tell you something, the Bearded Brothers. Yeah, this, might, this is the 13, you know, the band, the Boston bombing. Yeah. That was a great ring. And then you got like the 07, and then there's not a whole lot. Yankees would have 27 of these. That's why I said there's not a rivalry unless we start winning some World Series. All right. So until until your boy Dansby wins one of those, tell him he could wait for our call. That's right. That's right. We got Dansby Swanson coming on the intentional talk situation here uh, in a little bit. But he's going to wait. Zooming up. We're all zooming up. We're zooming. I told tell him if he wins a ring, then you can cut me off. But until he wins a ring, you know, that's that's it. So look, for those that don't know, you and I, we've known each other pretty much our whole lives since since we yeah. were eight years old, ten years old, played little league, played high school, played college summer league, uh, been through it all. I've been sawed off from the beginning. What people don't know is your real story and what an impossible long shot story it was. So what I really want to talk about, since we talk about mindset and lessons learned I for elite performers, I really want to dive into your mindset and give people sort of a breakdown of, all right, Kevin Millar, people know you now as this big leaguer, won the World Series, but that wasn't the Kevin Millar that we knew growing up. And certainly the scouts weren't looking at Kevin Millar saying, oh, this is a big leaguer. He's going to play and win a World Series. So why don't you talk to us, uh, start with high school. You were a solid high school player. We went to high school together, but we had a pretty good team of guys. I don't know. Were you the fourth best on the team? Fifth? Yeah, if that, Dan, let's be honest. People always ask me all the time, like, did you hit third? I was going to try to get a better hat on here because this hat, this is actually my St. Paul Saints and we'll get into that hat. We'll get into that. Light. So I'm, I'm going to wear this hat right now because it's a little darker. Oh yeah, that's gangster. That's OG Boston Red Sox. Hey, this is OG. No, but, but you know what it is, is that people always ask me the best player on the team. I said, no, because like a guy like yourself who great running back, great athlete, always had the big muscles and strong and, all, you know, you're way more advanced, you and your bro, Damon. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, dude, you could run, you could, but I'm, my point being is that, no, I hit sixth. I was yeah. a normal, normal kid, uh, normal, normal little high school player. Uh, and I always talk about, it's like anything. I loved it more than anybody. That's where I always say, like, sure. I loved it more than anybody. I wasn't better than anybody, but I loved it, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of scholastic uh, study hall going on in my life. As you know, Danny, I was trying yeah. to keep off you and Josh and all of our, our buddies that were very, very smart. You didn't get straight A's. Or maybe you did by the time you cheated off us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my thing was is I wanted to play Major League Baseball. And, you know, we talk about that as kids or – uh, whatever your dream is. I said, I always tell my kids, you have to have a dream. You know, I had a dream. I was in the backyard and hit rocks and want to play and, and, you know, name off Pedro Guerrero, Dodger lineups and, and, yeah. and Steve Garvey and Ron Say and now batting Kenny Landro. Yeah. But that's what we did back Acceptably. then. You were days, yeah. These days, kids don't really dream. They're so device oriented. And all we do is we sit here and stare at these all day right. and, 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 and I'm not kidding you. You know, I don't give back to a lot of my texts in a lot of times. It's not because I ignore people, but I take this and I put it up for a few hours a day because that gives me peace. Because yeah. when I, let's just use an example real quick, not getting up track. You go golfing, you and I, we get a four hour round. We're going to go play some golf. Me and you at Riviera yeah. Country Club, right? It's yeah. going to be a great day. The problem is, Danny, is you got your phone. I got my phone. When we're done playing golf, there's 67 text messages. Right. Okay. That's 67 times I would have been, you know, interrupted, interrupted with you and I spending time together yeah. that 
how many times see a guy come back, he hits a shot, and he's sitting here on a cell phone. Yeah, it drives shot, me crazy. So yeah. I take this at home and I make our kids do it. Put it up. You got two hours, bro. You're, you're traveling. So there you go. Wisdom. Enjoy it. That's Concentrate, focus on what your what your plan is and your dream, but that's what I want to do. I wanted to play in the big leagues. Yeah. And I wasn't a great player. But I yeah, had so it didn't deter you though that you no. weren't the superstar. I mean, we had a team of I don't know, eight or nine guys that got division one scholarships, three or four that got drafted. You weren't any of those. No. So let's talk about you had the burning desire, the dream, and no matter what, you didn't doubt yourself. But let's talk about what happened. So High school, I set the table. You went to high school. We we're at University High. Frank Cruz, Hal Kurtzman, a bunch of great high athletes. Hart High School first, my ninth oh, grade year. Yeah, yeah right. I went. To, I went to Hart ninth grade. Dad lived in Valencia. Mom was West Coast, right? right? So you and I went to grammar school at Warner. And then and you took off and went to Hart. Took off. We had the custody battle, Kramer versus Kramer situation, <laughs> if you remember. Yeah. But I went to Hart High School ninth grade year, and I was the third string uh, second baseman, so I yeah. wasn't even playing Started on their JV team. So yeah. I had to transfer to Utown. Now continue on. So now you get to Utown. You're a solid player, a handsome guy, the Ricky Schroeder of the uh, LA Unified School District. Acne. <laughs> Acne. So anyway, you get to, to Uni High. You're a solid player, but it's a baseball powerhouse. By the time you got there, Frank Cruz and Hal Kurtzman built Uni into this uh, rare, you know, juggernaut of a baseball program at an LA City School, which is unheard of on the west side and you are a good player solid player you know but you weren't the best a lot of guys got scholarships went on to play ucla usc michigan get drafted this and that you got through high school and what happened how many scholarship offers did you have yeah yeah exactly i had zero so and we talked about drafted? what round yeah uh, five <laughs> times to get drafted danny so we had our senior in high school yeah i went to la city junior college so as a yeah. freshman you have a chance to get drafted nope Sophomore year at LA City Junior College, uh, which, you know, at that point wasn't a great area and it's not a great environment there as just a regular old dude. Yeah. Didn't get drafted. That's three years. Then I transferred to Lamar University in Beaumont, Texas. Junior and people year. are saying, where's that? Great point. You probably saw it on CNN with some floods, but we didn't know where that was. Yeah. Junior year there, didn't get drafted. And my senior year there, didn't get drafted. So you had five times the chance to get drafted in the 80th round. Yeah. Right? and never got drafted. And my whole point to the story is last night we're watching the NFL draft with my kids and my you know, wife downstairs. And we were talking about Tom Brady because my kids love the Patriots, but I said, this is the seventh yeah. round, last yes. pick. Tom Brady, a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks quarterback. before him. <laughs> yes, in the history of the game. You can yeah. put him up there, right? Right. Got drafted the last pick of the seventh round. Yeah. So I always tell kids the drafts are cute. These are scouts' opinions. But this is what counts. There's five tools, Danny. You can do a lot of five tools. You can throw, run, hit, field. But at the end of the day, I would say the sixth tool right here, which is your heart. The heart. You can't judge that. And that's in yeah. business. That's in your team in real estate. That's my team with the Red Sox. This is where that's you judge yeah. where you're at in life. Yeah. And I don't, give, I don't give a crap, you know, what you do and how, how, how tall and big you are. But Jose Altuve is a five-foot-six MVP of the, of the league. Right. Randy Johnson's six-foot-eleven. Through yeah. 100 miles an hour, so that doesn't matter. I don't. There's no excuses there. This is where your excuse is at. Yeah, you have the heart and the mindset and the passion, and you certainly had it all to withstand that. Um, we could get into so many stories. Why don't we just talk about a few grind stories? So you didn't get drafted five times. 
you went to Lamar University, which none of us heard of, by the way, when you went. We've never heard of that school. You had a productive college, uh, multiple productive college seasons, didn't get drafted. So now what? You have nowhere to go. You just could have hung them up and quit and come, come and got into real estate with Rav and I. But right. you, you decided what? What happened? You went to the independent leagues, which didn't really exist. That was the beginning of the independent leagues. Yeah, so what happened was is my college coach, Jim Gilligan, who was at Lamar for right. 100 years, my point being is that he called a, a team called the St. Saint Paul Saints. It was in the Northern League. They're, they're not affiliated with any major league team, so it's called independent baseball. I had to fly to St. Paul, Minnesota, and try out for a team in the Northern League, which is the St. Paul Saints. When I say yeah. this, they were owned by Bill Murray. Yes, Bill. Bill Love Murray. It. That was our bobblehead doll. Yeah. And myself uh, in 93, my point is, is that I had to try out. And the only reason why I made that team, because they had to take three players that never had pro ball experience. They so there's a lot of A ball and double A and triple A release candidates. And I had to make the team because I was 21 years old and never had pro ball experience. So they had to have three guys that never had the experience. Yeah. And that was really the only chance I had to make the club. When I played third base uh, there, it was my first time making 600 bucks a month, getting paid with wood bats and taking bus rides to Canada and all the way up there in the, in the north. And had a chance to sign with the Florida Marlins out of there. They bought our contract with two other players, Jim Foden and Rick Hertensteiner, who played at Pepperdine. Okay. Uh, and they gave us 5000 bucks for all three of us. The Saints take 25% of that. I think our, our check was about 900 bucks. And I thought I seriously signed in the first round. I took everybody out to Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> we were partying, dog. Yeah. <laughs> We're partying. So you got about a grand in your pocket. Now you're going to the Florida Marlins, which, hey, you were thrilled to be there. They win the World Series when you're in the you're a rookie ball, and they unload their team. Right. Yep. So talk us through your minor league experience. Uh, you know, the luck, uh, the luck of being at the Florida Marlins at that time. Yeah, you look at, so 19, people always say, like, as an undrafted player like myself, so I have no money, in, what that means, they have no money in, no in, in zero. So if Danny Brown was to be a second-round pick out of, you know, UCLA, they give you 300000 FC, um, baby, not UCLA. USC, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my point, so, you know, you're going to get more of an opportunity to succeed. Of course. You got 300 yeah, yeah. grand in you, that's a business. Millar, 1000 bucks. there's a million of me. Yeah. Well, you have to do well. When you get your opportunity without big money, you have to do well. And this was the thing that I ran into is that I had a lot of bonus babies. So when I got my opportunity to play in the minor leagues, 1997 was the year that kind of set me apart. And I won player of the year in the minor leagues. I hit 342, had 32 home runs, 132 RBIs, almost won triple crown. Marlins win the World Series in 1997. Okay. Yes. So the time. And, you know, Darren Dalton. Rest in peace, all of these guys on yeah. that team. They dismantled that club that offseason. Millar was a player of the year in the minor leagues that year, so right. Jim Leland invited me to spring training in 1998, and that's kind of what put me on the map, is yeah. that I had a chance to come into camp after winning minor league player of the year after the Marlins won the World <laughs> Series. They got rid of everybody. So now all of us got a chance to come to spring training that year, Ryan Dempster. You look at this club, Brad Penny, Josh Beckett, right. A.J. Burnett, Ryan Dempster, Mike Lowell, Mark Kotze, Cliff Floyd, Preston Wilson, uh, Luis Castillo, Alex Gonzalez, tremendous young, young players. Derek yeah. Lee played 10-plus yeah. years in big leagues. 
but yet we won 60 games. We went 60 and 100 because yeah. we were in the, you know, the Braves division, the Mets division. But it, I love the, the reason why I'm telling you this is experience. You know, yeah. your first home cell, you're a nervous wreck making sure I can't read all these documents. Yes. And now yeah, if you sell please. a house for 10 million bucks, like you got this. You're like, yeah, yeah. let me get the hat off backwards. Yeah. Mark, Margo, hey, mama, go ahead and print this out. Fax it over. We don't have fax machines, but you know what I'm saying? We're faxing to Lamar. Let's put the ball faxing on. Lamar. I still just threw up my fax machine yesterday. This is no joke. True story. So, but that's what we're talking about is, yeah, is, yeah. is experience. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's such a, it's, I used to think it was overrated until you're in that situation. Your first major league of bat, you're a nervous wreck. Your thousandth major league of bat. You got this. Everything's a little slower. And that's why the great ones like Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Derek Jeter, in those big situations, their heart they rate is calm. calm. They can stay calm. So, look, we know about what happened after that. But let's – I want to focus on the grind. First of all, it's pretty clear now, and I wanted to highlight the odds, the impossible odds you faced, yet you have the mindset, the grit, the der- ter- determination, the fire in your belly to fight through the odds, not getting drafted five times going to an independent league and trying out, only making the team because they had three slots, performing and getting bought out by the Marlins for a thousand bucks. The odds of being a a non-drafted player on the Marlins minor league team for a thousand bucks and getting any playing time is almost impossible. So these are impossible odds that you've, you've just overcome over again, over again, over again. These are the traits of champions, right? No matter what you do, it's, it's that Mamba mentality. You had that Mamba mentality in a different way, but you had it to overcome those impossible odds. I want to tell a few stories, and there's one that comes to my mind. I know you have tons of them, but it was an off-season. I, I think it was early on in your minor league career. It was either in the Dominican or Mexican leagues, and uh, you, uh, your beautiful smile today didn't look as beautiful as it did on that day. Can you tell us a little bit about so people get an idea of what you went through? I mean, this wasn't Yankee Stadium and ESPN. You were grinding, and you know where was that Mexican league? Where were you? Yeah, so I played. I played four years in winter ball. Played in Mexico, Dominican, Puerto Rico, all the places you had to go play to make two thousand bucks a month cash to come back and make you know three or four hey, thousand right. to kind of get you going the off season because you only made six thousand to seven thousand dollars a year playing minor league ball from april yes. to october September, six thousand really. a year you made six thousand dollars a year playing baseball think of that guys think about that so i had to yeah. go to winter ball after the season and make some more money to live on and and, and that was part of the grind because all we see is the red sox world series major league baseball yeah, all the glamour. Yeah. this is not easy and you have to love <laughs> what you do and you got to get told no a lot, brother. You know how many times I've been told that you suck and you can't play and you can't make it, your defense is, is below average and all set. And, and all you can do as a human is head bob, yep, and I'll be sure to set you up in the upper deck when it's time. Yeah. And to this day, Danny, I'll go back to Lamar, sitting at a game, scouts come up, and I'm like, hey, man, I knew you were going to make it. I'm like, no, you didn't, bro, because yeah. you went 90 rounds the years I was here. Yeah, five and times. take a chance. <laughs> You didn't take a chance to me, so don't, don't tell me you knew I was going to make it. <laughs> 90 rounds, five times. 450 yeah. chances they could have picked you. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? So I don't want to hear that. My point is I just want people to understand that you can do anything you want to do. You, you really can if your mind's to it. If not, if it's a little wishy-washy, and I always tell kids what you do when the coach isn't looking. Not when the yeah. coach is there. What do you do when practice is over? Right. Are you getting your hands strong? 
right? So that was the things I did. Uncle Wayne, you know, you know Uncle yeah, Wayne. Uncle Wayne. Uh, he played in the biggest, so he's a guy I looked up to, and he always told me, keep getting your hands strong. Grips, yeah, grips, man. grips. And I usually have one to this day. Oh, we used to grip all day long. We'd be squeezing things right? all day for years. Yeah. So I had to do everything extra to compete at this level with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, yeah. Jeff Bagwell, Roger Clemens, Randy Johnson, and in Dominican Republic, here I am, 1996, 3 0 fastball. Boom! Right off the face. So I'm in Dominican, okay? Yeah. And I don't know if you know, it's not that clean over there. And in 1996. Oh, that's what you all know. There's lips, but I got knocked right in the fastball. It hit right my wrist to my mouth. So I go down and I'm like this. And we got chiclets. We got some chiclets. And I didn't have great teeth anyways, even though my mom's husband was a dentist. But you know how that goes. It's like the car, the guy that owns a, a, a car shop, his car's always broke down. So I got these tired little teeth. And now I come back and Gina, my wife now, we were dating at that time. I've got her in Dominican Republic. Oh, I, come home. I come home, I'm bloody, my uh -huh. fat lip. I knock on the door and she just looks at me and almost kind of giggles because I said, I got in a fight. She's like, ooh, you got your, uh, you know what? And I'm like, come on, dude, that's not funny. Like, this guy knocked me out. So I told this fake story then, boom. But at the end of the day, people wanted me to go home, right? And I said, no, I'm staying because I didn't want to be afraid of the baseball. Yeah. So I stayed there. I had half a tooth. I lived out here. We had some stitches that were the wrong kind. Wrong stitches. <laughs> and now I had to pay fifteen hundred bucks a tooth now, Danny. So that that damn fastball cost me about twelve, fifteen grand. Wow, that could have been your World Series bonus right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you were you were A Rod wasn't playing in the Dominican. <laughs> no, let me tell you what. A Rod had us had us five point two million dollar signing bonus probably out of seventeen years old out of Miami. So he was doing his thing. He was in the yeah. big nineteen. He was on South Beach living it up. Doing his thing. That's right. <laughs> Still is. Still is. So tell me, uh, so that's just an example of some of the grind you went through. But let's get into some of the some of the fun stuff. So, you know, you kind of made, made yourself known throughout the baseball world. Cowboy up, the Red Sox. It was a losing culture. It was a heartbreak culture. You get to the Red Sox and for those that are in the know, they know that you changed the face of that culture of that franchise. You set them up for success, um, and you didn't know that you were going to win. It was just you. You brought your personality, your heart, your mamba mentality that you had to the Red Sox. And uh, so tell us what happens. How did that feel in 2003? I'm Rav and I are in the game. We're watching. We're 3-3 three, three against the, the Red Sox, and my boy Booney comes up from SC. We thought we were going to the World Series. What happened? Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. So we roll in there as an, as the 03 year approaches, Theo Epstein, who's now the president of the Cubs, who's won a World Series in 16 with the Cubs, 100 years, and then obviously our 86-year curse in 04. Yeah. But he was 28 years old, the youngest general manager in the history yeah. of baseball to take over this club, brought about six of us non-tenders, they call us, David Ortiz, Kevin Millar, Billy Miller, Todd Walker, all of these guys that could hit, but no one really kind of wanted them. You know, we just yeah. like in the cesspool. Yeah. Well, Theo takes a chance on all of us. We come in in 03 and kind of change this culture. The Red Sox were 25 different cabs, you know, whatever, whatever. They had Jose Alferman and Carl Everett. And the year before, it wasn't a great year. So here we are, a bunch of guys, right? Well, we got real close in spring training. And the moral of the story is, is that we weren't the best players. We were the best team. 
And right. we fought and battled and changed the culture of the city and started having fun and the whole cowboy up and shaving our heads. And next thing you know, we're in game seven with the New York Yankees in Yankee Stadium in the American League Championship Series. Extra innings, up 5-2 with Pedro Martinez on the mound. Yankees tied up 5-5. So we ended up in the 12th inning in Yankee Stadium. Tim Wakefield comes in. Oh, Aaron Boone hasn't gotten a ball to the infield the entire series. And here's Booney leading off, pinch hitting. I literally, Danny, no baloney, threw the ball into our hitting coach after throwing ground balls. And then, you know, the catcher's throwing it to second base. Come on down. Like, we're back in the little league. Yeah, yeah. I literally turned down to trot next and let him know there's there's no outs. Right? Here we go. Yeah. Come on now. Wakefield throws one pitch. I literally turn around. There's a knuckleball. Booney. Boom. And I'm looking up. I'm like, the game's over. Like, this entire series, seven games, Red Sox, Yankees, we have handlebars, we have facial shaved hair, heads. shaved heads. There are, they're rich, they're tall, they're six foot four, they're handsome, and it's us, right? Billy Miller and Orlando Cabrera. But the whole point of Scrappers. one swing and we have tears. We're walking off the field. But 2004, we come right back there, game seven, down three games and none, four straight to the Yankees. Kevin Brown starting for the Yankees in game seven. We score a million runs. We beat them. And it's like a year later, all that pain in yeah. 03, oh, so come back painful. to do it in 04. You learn from the failures. And that's the example. And the, and the I guess the, you know, in life, you're going to fall, bro. It's how you get back up. And if anybody tells you they sure. never invested and lost money or never did you know, had a problem or an issue, then they're lying because we're all going to make mistakes, but it's learning from those mistakes. And I think that experience that we talked about earlier in this podcast, that had something to do with it next year. Yeah. That's a big, big um, piece of advice and lesson. And a theme that I hear from a lot of successful people is you're going to fail, accept it, but learn the lesson and use it for fuel. When, you know, the thing, when people doubt you, when people hurt you, when, when you fail, learn the lesson, use it as fuel, energize you to come back stronger. When, Obviously, you guys did that. I remember, you know, look, I was a Dodger fan my whole life. But yeah. that year, you know, 2003, you had Dave Ravitz and I in Yankee Stadium. You said, yeah, I'll get you tickets. You have to wear cutoff Red Sox jerseys and sit in Yankee Stadium. It was our first time going to a Red Sox-Yankees game in Yankee Stadium. We had no idea what we were getting into. And that was yeah. the craziest day of my life. But uh, I became a huge Red Sox fan. Like, you cannot get sucked into it. One season, my heart was broken. I'm thinking – what if you grew up like this and your dad and your grandfather and your mom and your aunt, your brothers and sisters, you're all diehards. The pain you must feel, because I felt it one year and I was feeling it, you know, following you and your buddies. And that was terrible. But um, it ended up pretty good. Uh, they made a nice film about you four days in October for those that haven't seen it. And that's just that. That movie makes – anytime people ask me about Kevin Millar, hey, what's Kevin? What was he like? I'm like, just, just watch four days in October. That sums up the mentality, the back against the wall mindset, the never say die. You know, a lot of people talk, but not many people walk the walk. And, you know, you put it out there to the world. I mean, people thought you were a, just a complete idiot, a complete wacko. You get, you're telling Gammons that we're, don't let us win tonight. Tell us a little bit about that and that mindset at that moment. You're down 3 0 in the, in the league series against the Yankees. Yeah, I'm going to tell you a good story here. So we're, we, we get crushed in game three. It's like whatever it was, 16 to seven. And my yeah. dad was in town. 
And he said something funny to me that Shut night. Up. It's depressing. We're down three games to none. The mighty Yankees, who wins four in a row? It's yeah. never happened in the history of sports. So my dad goes, well, the good news, Kevin, is that maybe Matt Suey and Gary Sheffield have blisters on their hands because they both went four for six, two homers. They both drove in like eight runs. And I'm like, you know what, Dad? That's a great point. So we, we had dinner. It's a somber scene. We're yeah. down. It's just brutal. Here we are again. The next day, and this is, no, this is back when we used to read the papers, the yeah. Boston Globe comes to my doorstep. I get up. I take my typical scene. I get my coffee. We go in there and we take our number two as a man. I got the newspaper and I'm reading it on the, on the pot. I'm sitting here going, and and in that article, Dan Shaughnessy, who is a big time reporter writer yeah. there in Boston, oh, Shaughnessy, not Gammons, yeah, yeah, he he calls us a pack of frauds. Yeah. So the F R A U D S word got me. I said, oh, okay, frauds. Now it's different if the Yankees are better than you, Danny. And you know what? They're better than us. They got A-Rod, they got Jeter, they got Sheffield, they got Giambi, Ernie Williams. Gangsters, right? What do we got? We got Mark Bellhorn, Kevin Millar, Orlando Cabrera, Bill Miller, Trot Nixon. Like, we just have ball players. So I get it. You call this frauds, got me. And when I tell you got me, I said, all right. It pissed me off. You were upset. You were livid. I went straight to the clubhouse about one o'clock that day, and I started yipping and yapping. We're down three nothing. I started it then. So with the, and when you're when you're a player, they open these doors up to the media. You're right. And when the media comes in, there's like seventy five reporters, all different articles, newscape, whatever. Yeah. And they all kind of follow each other. It's kind of like herding cows. And here's Dan Shaughnessy with red hair, perm, the whole shebang. And he yeah. walks in. And I said, Hey, Danny, your hair sucks. And he's just, you see this, like, uncomfortable, embarrassing. You didn't know what was going on. What's Millar? To, like, why? What? Your hair sucks, Dan. And all of a sudden, you're just like, it's like this weird Something's going vibe. on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you kind of, Moses over there. And I'm like, is Trot Nixon a fraud? Pedro Martinez a fraud? David Ortiz a fraud? Call us frauds, pimp. Call us frauds. No, no. So now all of a sudden, whatever, I'm getting dressed and we're going to walk down there. Well, when we got down there, that's where that camera and that boom mic kind of picked following up. you. Yeah. So I said, don't let us win tonight. I don't know how we're going to do. We got Derek Lowe versus the, 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 the Yankees and it's not a great matchup. They hit him well, but don't let us win game four because we win tonight. We got Pedro game five, chilling game six and game seven. Anything can happen. I'm just telling you, tonight's a big night. What happens? <laughs> this is all on tape. Yeah. It happened to everybody. I started saying, hey, don't let's win tonight because everybody's a little, you know, you're bummed out. Everyone's depressed. No, nah, nah, dog. Let's win tonight and let's see how this pans out, right? Yeah. I'm going around to everybody. BP, don't yeah. let's win tonight. You would have thought we were up six games and none. Yeah. I'm, I'm just swagging it out, right? I don't care. You're let's so go. pissed off. Pissed off. He calls frauds, pimp. Frauds. I'm like, there's a word in there besides that. Because, but I know I'm not a fraud. Yeah. And, and, and back in the day, you call somebody a fraud, you know, you get the hand box. Like, yeah. You're fighting. Yeah, you can't just call me a fraud and think I'm not going to talk about your red perm. So, that being said, we win game four. Poppy homers in the twelfth inning. Uh, Paul Quantrill, boom. Poppy, Guess legendary what? Poppy. Guess what? Game five comes around. Pedro. Poppy, 12 pitch of battle of Rich Loiza. Boom, 12th inning. We bloop it in there, we win. It's tied. I know we're down three games to two. Okay? Yeah. We were on the Yankee Stadium, pimp. Shielding game six, bellhorn homers. We're tied up. Yeah. And in game seven, 
Kevin Brown starts, who is filthy. Oh, nasty. Boom! Johnny Damon hits a grand slam. Grand hits, slam a, yeah. hits a freaking two-run home run, but we're up 8 nothing. By that time, Danny, that's what I'm talking about, life, momentum. The momentum of life, the timing of life, it's too late now. Yeah. Because the, the the Yankees over there are like, that, all that pressure's on them. We still yeah. have nothing to lose. Nothing Let's to go lose. shock the world. Let's go shock the world and win game seven today. Yes. And that's yes. how it all happened. It just got documented. And now, yeah, four days in October, which we just watched two days ago with my two daughters. They never really saw it. It was pretty cool. Wow. Well, my boys have watched it now like 10 times. Every uh, every couple of weeks, they're like, can we watch it again? I'm like, come on, dog. <laughs> come on. I don't need to see Kevin every day. That's great parenting. Such a great parenting. Dad of the year, 2019. <laughs> You're taking that title away, Billy. Yeah, you know. So tell me, a fun, there was a funny story. I remember you guys won. Was it? I don't remember if it was 03. 03. You and Johnny Damon, and I don't remember who else, but you know, listen, we, Oh three, we clinched the wild card to, oh, to, wow. to, to, to the playoffs. So we beat the Orioles in Fenway. So we just clinched a playoff spot, right? Oh, what three. Was it was the Orioles? Or was the Orioles? What was it? We, we were playing. No, we, we, we clinched it against the uh, Orioles to get the wild we, card. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We were going to, we, we met the uh angels after the we, no we met the a's so we met the angels in a three-game series swept them and then we met the a's with the molder hudson yeah. zito but anyways once we just clinched the playoff berth it was like end of yeah. september so at fenway park there's a, there's this road there right outside the stadium it's not yeah, like legend. that stadium it's called yaki way yeah legendary you know, road yeah. yeah so you got the bars the beer the hot dogs the, 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 the and it's literally right behind the stadium i mean it's because the stadium is 100 years old back then you built the stadium right in on main street that's right so, yeah. so imagine being out in rodale drive and you just walk out to beverly wilshire and there you are that's like fenway park and yaki way okay right so for all you rich cats watching today because daniel's a lot of rich people now so that being said <laughs> No, we walk out. We I, I, we get the entire team. We start jogging down Yaki Way, full uniform. We just did the whole champagne on the field, all the playoffs. Roll out. We go down Yaki Way. It's like the old Rocky Balboa. We're rocking, and this, there's a thousand fans behind us. Here's the Red Sox, full union. I'm like, let's go, dude. We jump in this bar. I think it was called Cask and Flagons. We jump in this bar. They have to shut the doors down because fans are trying to break in. I jump behind the bar, me, Derek Lowe, Damon Miller, all the stuff. I start passing out free beers to all the fans. We're full uniform. Spikes, cup, we're going. I get a call from the bar. Guy comes up and goes, um, your traveling secretary says the bus is leaving in 10 minutes. So we got the whole team in this bar. They won't let them in. I'm like, oh, my God, boys, we're going to roll. So we, we jump back to the clubhouse. Shower up, and then we take the bus on to wherever we were going. Did anyone ever get that on film? That would be the best film. Oh, you know what? No I, one I really had iPhones. No one had iPhones. Yeah, there's got to be somebody, some security camera even. They had security cameras. God, uh, that, it's legendary. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was really a fun experience. Just throwing beers. And the owner of the bar was phenomenal. He just... We had 500 people in probably this bar like a fire code. Think about but, it. Once in a lifetime for all those people. Right? You know, and that's, uh, you know, something I always loved and respected about you. And you always talked about this, that you really appreciated the, and were grateful for the blessing of being a big leaguer. And yeah. you always felt, look, I was a kid in the stands. I was a fan. I want to give back as much as I can 
And I know it was a big thing for you. A lot of the players are entitled and they're multi-mega millionaires and they don't take the time and they don't appreciate it. You always, that was part of the culture you brought with you. And it was really respectable. And um, God, I wish more players were like that. Giving yeah, back and appreciate every day. I tell players, appreciate every day. Cause it goes so quick. I played 12 years day in the big leagues and it like, it feels like it was yesterday. And I, I said, this world series thing, Oh, four, 2024, that's going to be 20 years ago. 20 years. Like, you know, we just had a nice Zoom meeting with our, our high school teammates yeah. for the first time. But you City look at champion, 88. City champions, uni high. 32 years ago. Yeah. 32 years ago. Like, you and I think it feels like it was like, you know, five years ten, we were making those years. cards that said 24-7, seven days a week, pimping yeah. it easy, me and Dave. We were our kids. We were we're going to the arcade. We thought we were cool walking to Western <laughs> Village, but here we are pimping it easy. Yeah. <laughs> Little did we know. It is, uh, it's, it is hard. <laughs> it is. We're still trying to do it. We're still, we're still trying, still grinding. So um, uh, tell me the, the other funny story. There's so many, but the funny story where it was freezing, I think it was 03 and you decided that you're going to get everyone fired up and do a shot of Jack Daniels in the clubhouse. And you, you caught a lot of flack for that. Yeah. Explain what happened. That was a really funny story. So this was in 04. So this is when we, we were coming back from the Yankees. So we were down 03, got that. We win the next two. So now we're going into Fenway Park, game six. So when the Sox and Yankees play, it's like Super Bowl, okay? Oh, it's a, God, back, crazy. a huge rivalry. These two teams don't like each other. Got it. It was a misty, rainy day. And when you came back in practice in Yankee Stadium as a visiting player, they put on like Yankeeography, Yogi Berra and Bernie Williams. And it's like this organ music. But yet when the Yankees are taking back in practice before you, yeah. they got hip hop, Jay-Z, New York Times. Yeah, yeah. So it's all this vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This player comes up, it's like, <laughs> I said, no. Nah. I walk in Terry Francone's office, like, hey, we ain't falling for Yankeeography, pimp. Tito goes, huh? What are you talking about? I mean, what are we talking about? Like, We're not falling for Yankeeography. We're hitting the cages. So if the Red Sox are taking bag breaks in the cages, you got 500 cameras out there waiting for the Red Sox. Hey, and no one's there. No Sox Nation, pimp. We're hitting the cages. So, so Terry goes, yeah, if you guys want to. As I'm walking by, there's this huge bottle of Jack Daniels in Luke Cusa's office, who is the, the clubhouse manager. It's been there for, for 20 years, years, probably. So I walk by, I see this, uh, this Jack Daniels. I'm like, oh. I grab it. I said, boys, shots of Jack. Let's go. It's like 430. Games at seven. Everybody's kind of playing cards, getting right. We're hitting the cages. I say, we're not hitting the outside. Batting practice times are six, 6.15, 6.30, 6.45. Games yeah. at seven, whatever, 15, boom. After 30 minutes for this game, I pour out these shots of Jack, all these Gatorade cups, right? <laughs> to this day, I got to kind of drop the symbolic toast. Yeah. But we do shots. Quick, just one one. Blah, 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 blah. It's not like anybody's drunk. No one's doing that. It's just yeah. kind of like a team thing, right? It's a team of energy. We win. We got to do it again. Game seven. Shots of Jack, boys. We win. We go into, we go into uh, St. Louis. We do them the next four games. Turn into Crown Royal because we were out of Jack. But we were 6-0 doing a shot of Jack and a shot of Crown before the game. And like I said, we win this World Series. I'm telling the story on Best Damn Sports Show with Chris Rose and Tom Arnold and yeah. John Sally. And I got some heat. I got like 70 right. text messages when I landed in Beaumont yeah. going that mother's against drunk driving. You're promoting alcohol before your thing. 
Terry Frank yeah, calls like, terrible, don't tell him I did that. I go, I'm drinking on the job. So this, the, 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 the moral of this whole story is I don't condone it. We did it. And it was just part of our squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so classic. That is so classic, man. So let's get into uh, this Corona world we're living in now. What do you see coming up this season? Do we have a season? Are we going to play in 2020? And if yeah. we do, what is it going to look like? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're, we're gonna get this thing going, Danny. I mean, what we've all had to deal with, and uh, it's new to everybody. Obviously, the thanks and prayers to our frontline workers, the nurses, and the doctors, the people Amazing. that are in us every day that we sometimes take for granted. And we've had a lot of these doctors on on our show on the digital side, intentional talk, Twitter on just doctors in Philadelphia, doctors in New York, their nurse, what they go through. Thank right. you. That's number one. Yes. But number thank two you. is thank we you. have to get back to some point normalcy got it virus deadly germs it almost is a pause button for the world because we've never ever done the same thing as an entire world at once like we've right. done the last two months yeah. and that's from japan that's from brazil that's yeah. from italy that's Everywhere. from mexico los angeles austin new york yeah. it's been well, an amazing thing to just stop hug your kids hug your siblings Whatever it is, but it's I, I've seen more family walks. I've seen more family activities, Agreed. bike rides. Our, I mean, our, our kids get along, getting a chance to be best friends again instead of like the friend groups. It gets all weird and your practices and mom's it's cooking so dinner. Busy, yeah. And, yeah, dad's working and oh my God, we're in a bad mood. School. It's been nice to push pause and enjoy that aspect of it, but Absolutely. we need to get back. We need to get back as a country. We need to get back sports. I don't know what will be the first sport to get back. Maybe it's golf with no fans. Maybe it's baseball with no fans. But, yes, we're going to have a baseball season. It's just a matter of is it going to be first pitch in July and you play an 80-game season, a 100-game yeah. season, where does spring train? But I think we're starting to see this thing plateau. It doesn't live in the heat, so we need to get hot everywhere. And let's get our country back to going. But it's, it's been some positives. From this COVID nineteen, obviously, from the devastation of the of the lives lost in it. Yeah, that's the silver linings. We've really put things in perspective and spent time with our families, and like you said, hit pause and really have got to reflect and really uh, enjoy our life in a simplistic, old, old fashioned kind of way. What people did fifty years ago, hundred years ago, without computers, without cars, racing around. It's really interesting. I mean, my kids start riding bikes for the first time. So go figure. Yes. So uh, in terms of baseball, there's been some uh, pretty uh, remarkable things that have happened over the last year. So why don't we talk a little bit about the controversy of the Houston Astros, Altuve, Bregman, all those, you know, obviously, the, you know, these people personally, I mean, these are great guys. Yeah. Uh, but why don't you speak to, to that and give sort of an insider's take on what was that about? Is that prevalent? Are people doing that everywhere? And they just got yeah. caught or what's up with that? You know, the sign-stealing situation's been in baseball for years since you and I played, okay? Yeah. And that's what it was all about. Hey, Danny's on second base. You lead up with a double. Yeah. We already know crossovers are breaking the ball. If you look to right field, it's, you know, location. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, that's you understand. I'm, I'm going to my helmet. That's yeah. the pitchers and catchers' job to change their signs up so you and I don't get their signs. Yeah. That's on them. Yeah. The problem with happened to the Astros is they take it to another level because what you just said – we're all deviced out. There's iPads, there's cell phones, there's too many stuff and things in dugouts now that we didn't have to deal with. Too much technology. Except for you reading the pitcher's glove 
if he had a little change up or yeah. a fastball. Right. We, right. We, we, were, we were looking for tips and signs. We'd have to watch it. Yeah. That's Someone right. Tweaks her hand or does this. We then we think it's, yeah. That's right. So now they have an umpire replay system in Major League Baseball. They have a de devoted room for that replay system. What that means is that there's a camera that's on the catcher's signs 24-7. That's only for the replay. So when if you notice, if I'm catching and I go two, curveball or slider, fastball is one. Got it. So now when you get guys on second base, you know, it might be the sign after two. So I might go boom, yeah. boom. Okay, there's a change up or split. You know, yeah. sign after two, whatever their sign is. Whatever but we does. all know them because we've all we all deal we with all the, same, the signs. same signs. Yeah. The Astros were using that room to see signs, which would then turn into the trash can banging, which would then turn into whatever. Okay, and now we we, we what we've crossed the line. Are they the only organization that's done this? No. There's a lot of organizations doing it. Did they get caught because of their arrogance of banging a trash can? Yes, and having a monitor right next to the to the steps. Yes. But I will tell you this, okay, when this all happened, and I understand both sides. If you and I are on the Yankees and they knock yeah. this out, yeah. CC Sabathia is very, very, very mad at the Astros. I totally get that side because they cheated them out of a World yeah. Series chance. Yeah. On the flip side, I just want people to understand that these are good people. Jose Altuve right. is a huge ambassador for children, Great foundations. Job. Alex Bregman just raised a million dollars to feed the homeless in Houston, Texas with him and his girlfriend. He's a phenomenal guy, yeah. So, good humans, good when human we, when, we, when we go through a, 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 a tough time, let's just call that, and the Astros were going get, to get killed this year by fans and players and drilled, sure. it was going to be a long year. The yeah. virus came almost in a good time for the, for the for Astros. Not yeah. saying that anybody wants to see this kind of pandemic. Of course, of course. But, you know, if you and I were the Astros, we're like, we got it. It took, it took a microscope off them. That's right. But I will tell you this, a sincere sorry and an apology and we did wrong is all you need to say, bro. And there's, yeah. there's no defending it. Carlos Correa had a great statement the first day. The second day he comes out with a very arrogant statement like, this doesn't matter. You know, we would have won anyways. Time out. That's when you guys say, shut up. Yeah. Sh shut your mouth. Yeah. Because you have no foundation the way you guys cheated. So yeah, just say, I'm sorry. And we didn't do it to cheat the system. You're doing it to win the game amongst a group of 25 guys. So I always try to explain to people, I would have been right involved in it. If we had an O4, I'd be like, yeah, Manny Ramirez, tell me what's coming. I want to know what's coming immediately. Yeah. That's the advantage that you try to get as an athlete. And but the way they went about it, it crossed the line. So hopefully now Major League Baseball cleans this up. There's no more rooms. You can't go in. We see managers lose jobs. We see GMs lose jobs. Hopefully that this is this is it, and we move forward. Yeah. Hey, look, I want to be uh, respectful. I know you got Dansby coming up on uh, Intentional Talk, even though he doesn't have any World Series rings. We got 10 minutes, dog. All right, Dan, you can say, tell him the way, but I want to just kind of get into, are there, tell me some people that you love in baseball. What are some, some of your teammates, some of your favorite teammates uh, yeah. that you've loved? I know you're close with Big Poppy and Pedro, and you've had some incredible teammates. Uh, a lot yeah. of them would say you're their favorite teammate, but I'm, I'm curious, like, what is your take? Because I know you have a very holistic, old school view of, hey, play the game hard, play the game right respect each other, give back to the fans. You're the antithesis of the, the entitled professional athlete. You're, you know, so what are some cool guys? And on the other side, if I don't want to get you into trouble, but you know, if there's some 
the coolers and the, the, yeah, the yeah. title that, you know, the people that you, whatever you want to talk about that you can talk about. No, I just, I'll tell you, Danny, I, I'm going I'm to I'm say a name that was one of my favorites and Gabe Kapler. Oh, yeah, uh, Kapler. This, this guy was a, LA, another LA kid. LA kid at, at, right down there at Taft High School down there in the Valley. But uh, I, I'll tell you, with Gabe, he was our fourth or fifth outfielder. He was such a great teammate during my struggles of breakfast in the morning. Let's talk about the mental side. He was a very, very smart and educated yeah. guy. So he helped me a lot when you're talking about that really cared about my at-bats and really cared about me as a guy that he wasn't starting every day. So that went a long way yeah. with me. That tells now, you a lot. Yeah. Let's go, let's go on the next the next level. David Ortiz is probably the greatest human being I've ever been around. Better player than he is. I mean, better person than he is player. I've wow. never seen him say no, Danny, to an autograph, to a child, Maybe. to a pitcher. He would drop everything in his arms to sit down and take a knee for a child. That goes a long way with me. Pedro Martinez, one of the greatest this game's ever seen on that mound in his prime. Tremendous heart. Never, never paid for a meal when you're around Pedro Martinez. Totally understood what it was about to be a veteran and teach Latin players like David Ortiz how to be a pro. So if you have great Latin players that are role models that help other Latin players because what they, what they go through and come over to this country, people yeah. don't understand it. That's why I played winter ball. So I understood because they yeah. took care culture, of me. Culture shock. Yes. And they fed me and helped me you know, where the good stuff is, what the bad stuff is. So that's our job to help them and not enough American guys do because they don't know what it's really like for these poor players to come over here. Second language. Let's start there. Yeah. You, know what? you speak Spanish? Yeah. Fluently? Fluently? Si, muy bueno. Si, muy bueno. You know how tough that is for a second language? And these guys come over here and they nail it. And it's a hard thing. Really you know, hard, yeah. but David Ortiz – Pedro Martinez, you nailed it. Gabe Kapler, you nailed it. We have such a good group of guys, it's hard not to. Ryan Dempster is like a brother with yeah, the Florida Marlins. Mike Redman, the old Marlins, you know, we have such a good group of guys. And Mike Lowell, those guys yeah, yeah. you gravitate to. Cliff Floyd, like, we, we, you know, you never forget that group and Josh Beckett's and the guys that you just, you just, you know, you, you, you were bad together, but yet you grew up and we matured together also. So right. love those guys. Playing against an Alex Rodriguez. That's a tough pill to swallow. It always was because we always, you know, this guy's the best in the game. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, did it all. Power, good looking. Had that caramel oh, skip yeah. color. Yeah. It didn't matter if we were in the wintertime or summertime. He was fully just looking awesome and tan. <laughs> but there were scenes that, you know, playing against the house that you thought were eyewash, you know, you get second base and make sure everybody's looking at the, the, at the outfielder's depth. And, you know, he was very fundamentally – sound but yet he was tired on the other side but i've known alex a long time alex is a nice human being behind this this facade yeah. this, this this wall that these great ones always put up because people are trying to get after him all the time so you want once he lowers this little shield you can laugh at alex and he can laugh at himself so yeah. that goes a long way with me so when people get a chance to know alex you make fun of him yeah, you know, so – and he's gone through some times now, and he wasn't a great dude, and he lied to a lot of people, and, he, you know, he, he betrayed a lot of people. But it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to forgive also. So as a, as a – I like what he's trying to do as far as getting to the point and putting his platform back to normal where he's not a hated villain because he's been a hated yeah. villain for a lot of years. A lot of it self-proclaimed, but a lot of it 
because he was great and people were jealous. Yeah, of course. When you're the best, people always want to play. That's right. But yes, and he did some things. He was arrogant and cocky. And That's right. like you said also, being you're that big of a player, you have to put up this guard to protect yourself from all the stuff coming at you. But whatever the case, he certainly has evolved and matured. And he's winning. He's got J-Lo and good J-Lo guy, and good heart. And smart businessman. You know, yeah. He's really done well. Any other fun stories? Any other crazy stories that you know you want to share? Anything that comes to mind? I know there's, I mean, it, there's so I many. Mean, we had a, you know, let's, the, 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 the O3 that started the whole cowboy up scene was when we went into into Oakland and we lost the first two games in a five-game series in 2003. That's and right. we got walked off by a walk-off bunt by Ramon Hernandez, base load 2010. So then now here we are flying back to Boston. We got to beat the great Oakland A's three straight who had, you know, Mark Mulder and Barry Zito and Tim Hudson in their prime. Oof. were unhittable. That was their three-man – yeah, so Lights here we are out. down two, and I'm like, oh, no, we're down two. It's our first playoffs. We're all like, yeah. oh, my gosh. I take the Clippers, shave everybody's head. Grady Little, Theo Epstein, front office. Everyone. We were in the bathroom in Oakland, straight up, no guard. We got on that plane flying back to Boston, and we're like, you know, during turbulence, we look like just a bunch of little bald bobbleheads. You know, our heads are this big, right? When you shave your head, you look like you're whatever. You're just getting out of the prison. But we did that, and I look back at that time, and I'm like, think about that. Like, our GM shaved his head down, too. Our manager, Gray Little, shaved his head down, too. And we came back and won three straight to that series and then, uh, you know, swept the Angels, and that's when we lost to the Aaron Boone home run in in, uh, 2003. Th- those are the memories and stories that, you know, that, that bring a team together and you have a team at your office. We have a team, your family's your team. You just try to get everybody on the same page and rope. And I think that's yeah. what kind of does that. And there's just so many wonderful lessons and wisdom here. So man, look, I love you, brother. Thank you for spending the time with us. And you're, you're an example of, Hey, no dreams too big. Never stop believing. Never, never worry about the, the player haters and the doubters. Keep working. Keep dreaming. Anything is possible. You've proven to everyone that knows you that anything is possible. And uh, not only is it possible, you know, it, it's probable if you have the mindset, the passion, and you're willing to grind, 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 and just never give up the face of adversity. So everything that you're saying is really the, this is the thesis for success in life, in business, in family, in sports. No matter what sector, it's the same mental game and heart that you have to have. Still dream, man. I, 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 that's the biggest thing, you know. Like I said, even us, us, you know. There's some. There's another step, right? You're trying to trying to do your thing, and, you're, and you've dominated life of learning the real estate side of it and selling million dollar homes and making a living for your family. And here you are having your own podcast and doing your stuff. But these all these are all baby steps of you have a dream to this day. I'm trying What's to make that? that show money, like you, dog. Hey. Show money, you got a big mansion now. You got what do you got? 242 square feet for 15 million right there in Beverly Hills somewhere. Yeah, yeah that's 3,000 square feet for 15 million. Yeah, I can't, I, you can be show money if you move to Texas with me because oh. you can buy some million dollar homes and think your lifestyle is rich and famous over I here. Can live large. Yeah, oh, you guys must be over the there. Show. I'm in the show, baby. Living in Texas on a ranch. <laughs> Smoking cigars and hitting golf balls. No late life. I can even shoot. Learn to hunt. Hey, I'll teach you how to shoot. A, uh, yeah, I'm not a great hunter. I like to. I like to. Yeah, I'm not into the, hunting. 
I like I'll that. I like that. Yeah, I'm a hang around her. I always start. I'm a barbecue. I like that. Listen to music, chill, yeah. cocktail, and hang out. I'll even listen to some country music with you, bro. Yeah, no, hey, come on, don't, 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 don't make me get one of these for you now, dog. <laughs> Kevin is from West Side, Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen. He's not from Texas. He's not a cowboy. Let me, let me, get, let me get back to normal right there. Back to gangster. All right, brother. Say my love to Gina and the kids. Love you, Mister Brother. I'll see you soon. Love Be you safe, too, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon, Kev. All right, brother. See ya. That was great. Caleb! Hey guys, thank you for listening. That was an amazing, amazing story with one of my closest, dearest friends, Kevin Millar. He's like family to me. You can always find us at The Deal Pod uh, or thedealpod.com. Our podcast has been charting top 250 in the world on Apple Podcasts. We have so many interesting guests. If you want to check out more episodes like this, we've had Tracy Tudor from The Million Dollar Listing, Matt Hannaford, one of the biggest sports baseball agents in the world. We had Daryl Blocker, who was the head of the CIA. We had James Ferrier, NFL Pittsburgh Steeler legend, on and on and on. We've had so many different interesting guests, so go back and check those out. We appreciate the support. You can always find my boy Kevin Millar at uh, Intentional Talk, the MLB Network, or at, what is he, at Kevin Millar 15, my boy 15. Appreciate him coming by and spending some time with us on The Deal with Danny Brown. We have more coming to you soon. Thanks for your support. Please subscribe. Please tell one or two people you know to subscribe. And if they like what they hear, leave us five-star, a five-star review and a, a five-star and a comment. Everything helps. Again, we're charting now, which is major for us, and we really appreciate it. We have a long way to go, but we appreciate the baby steps in the journey. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care.